Jimmy Hendrix. No, I know who it is, but why are you playing Jimmy? Well, because I like to listen to him. Oh, you like to listen? That's what the problem is. Y'all listen. Well, what am I supposed to do, eat it? <laughs> no, 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 you're supposed to hear it. Hey, I just said I like to listen to it, man. No, 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 there's a difference between hearing and listening. See, white people, y'all can't hear Jimmy. You, 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 you listen. What the are you talking about? His drummer was white. Ah! <laughs> Get the f out of here. Jimmy Hendrix's drummer was not white. Yes, he did. Yo, check it out. See? This is a picture. Whole damn band is white this except a, for Jimmy. This is a f***ing <laughs> picture, man. This is Airbus bullshit. Jimmy Hendrix did not have a white rhythm section. You cannot hear Jimmy. This is It Happened One Year. A look back at the events big and small, famed and forgotten from 1967. We're hey, doing it again! <laughs> Jumped right to it. <laughs> it happened one year, 1967. Here we are. We're back at it one more time. Yes. How you feeling? Oh, I feel great. I'm so excited. Top of the pops. Top of the pops. <laughs> Which okay is actually did you know a show that they that Jimi Hendrix went and did while they were recording this this uh, this album that we're going to talk about today? Is that right? Yeah, they went and like they recorded it not to get not to jump right into you the jumped details. right ahead. Yeah, <laughs> they, they recorded it over like a ton of recording sessions, and after one of the sessions, they went and were on top of the pops. Nice. I didn't even know that yeah. was the case. I think these will come out in the normal order. But last episode we recorded, I mentioned top of the pops, and you were just like, "What is that?" Did not know it was a thing or an expression yeah. that anybody used. I don't even know if it's an expression. It's just the title of that thing. So here we are. We're trying to plow forward 1967. Here we are. We've realized some of the like areas we haven't really talked about, things that we have a lot of on the big list of things to talk about. And one of them that we really haven't gotten into is the music. And 67 is the, the big thing is the music. The the Even on the list, we have tons of music because this was just what that year was. Yeah. So... This is not really something we tend to try to do on the show. No, oh, I remember when I saw the list, I was like, oh, my God, that's a lot of music. What are we going to do about that? Yeah. So we're going to try to start tackling some of it. I think we're just going to bundle some stuff together later and be like, well, here's the look at all these bands that had their first album. And look at these big hits that there were. But yep. this is sort of the test run here where we're just going to kind of talk about this one album. And I thought that would yeah. be kind of an interesting thing. It might not prove to be. <laughs> Listeners, we're going to do our best, but we are not music critics. So. No. I think in season one, we did the One Hit Wonders episode. Oh, yep, yep. Um, that's about it, right? Like, I don't no, even know. Did... Oh, yeah. No, it wasn't all One Hit Wonders. It was One Hit Wonders and Lady, and lady Jams, remember? Because yeah. the, the, it was the listening thing, which I thought is a very clever idea, but I would at least would be terrible at in 1967. Yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, it was, it was a game, sort of. That's how we yeah. that's how we did it. But otherwise, we didn't really brush up against a ton of music because no. I find music kind of tough to talk about unless you're a music critic. And it's, so it's yes. just hard. So it's, it's just like, oh, yeah, I like it. It's uh, pretty good. Yeah. So here we are doing a podcast about music, even with what Joe just said. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I think if we can talk about it a little bit in a, in a more history sense, and then I think honestly, the reason that I, I leaned into doing this album and to doing like Hendrix yeah. is because his career was so short, there's not a ton of like extraneous yeah. stuff to talk about. Yeah. Like, yeah. 
you know, like the Grateful Dead's first album was in 1967. But like the Grateful Dead has have so much just because they, you know, even with Jerry Garcia dying fairly young, they were around for, you know, what, 25 years. Like there's a lot there. So it's just more complicated. Yeah. Hendrix, uh, we can keep it toy. (laughs) Right. Perfect. Um, So we will. That's that's it. I think uh, we can we can give it a shot. So. We're here to talk about Jimi Hendrix album, uh, Jimi Hendrix and the Experience. The, the Jimi, Jimi Hendrix, Hendrix Experience. Experience. Should have looked that up before the show. <laughs> the Uh-oh. albums that they put out were released as the Jimi Hendrix Experience. Hmm. The, those, the first three albums. The albums that came out in his lifetime, essentially, were yeah. that. The Experience as a band broke up before he died. Oh. But, you know, all of their albums actually are, they're, none of them are Jimi. Jimi Hendrix albums were albums put out after he died posthumous albums which seems like a hard thing to do right because once you're dead it's hard to make music exactly (laughs) so the first album was are you experienced which is yeah i I would think it's their most famous album it has most of their most famous songs but i've read that electric ladyland is a much was a much bigger seller and i wonder if that's just because by that point what a big deal hendrix had become in those intervening years so well this album only hit it was released in the uk first in 1967 and it only hit number i think it hit number two on the charts and in the u.s the album only hit number five and so it never was like the number one selling album i was looking over the other albums that were like the number one album in 1967 it's a little hard to like distill what happened at the it on the billboard albums charts just because of the way that they they come out but it, there were like four monkeys albums that were number one at one point um and then there were albums from people i've never heard of and then if you get into 1968 when it was still on the charts uh it was the beatles yeah. who had most of the the white album came out and- makes sense yeah the monkeys were weirdly popular in 1967 yeah and i think we're gonna end up having to talk about the monkeys at some point just because like I remember that TV show as a kid and it being like this ridiculous thing. It won the Emmy for best comedy in 1967. <laughs> the Monkees TV show. That seems crazy. Right? Seems like crazy. what was on TV at that time? I couldn't believe it. The chart I was looking at just showed like by week and then it was big chunks of time for which album was number just number one. And it was like a Monkees album and then it was like a different Monkees album and there's like a couple weeks of someone else you've never heard of and then like a third Monkees album and then the first one again. Like it was just the Monkees. Crazy. It was, yeah. I, I thought the Monkees had one song and it was Hey, Hey, We're the Monkees. I had no idea oh. that they were that kind of prolific uh, genius artists that sit at the top of the Billboard charts for so long. I mean, they were just formed as a novelty band and yet they had this sort of career and maybe it was just in this little pocket of time but when i was a kid i was a big monkey i had monkeys tapes like i was a big fan the monkey i could name you a lot of monkey songs really but, oh yeah i was a big monkeys fan but but that. again i think of again i think of it as something i enjoyed as a child so i can't right. imagine it holds up even though like the last train to clarksville is a pretty good song daydream believer they had songs you know oh, daydream believer but yeah, that's pretty good but i didn't realize they were this popular in a national sense in yeah, america right to right. the point that are you experienced could not overcome the monkeys. <laughs> no, no, but I I do think the second album came out pretty quickly too, and so I wonder if people were just buying the second album more than the first. The second monkeys album? No, no. Oh, I'm sorry. The second Hendrix album. Oh, the Axis album. Yeah. Yeah, Axis Bold as Love also came out in '67. Yeah. Yeah. But are you experienced? I think it's it's the one that's kind of lasted through time it, it, i mean they all he only had the three albums and they were all they're all acclaimed now but yeah. 
but are you experienced has you know foxy lady and it has fire and you know it has these great big hits on it you know it's got hey joe and purple haze like that's the one album that i would really point to yeah but yeah maybe it was a little too ahead of its time in 67 that it didn't catch on more like I don't know. I, I don't have a good answer for that, especially considering what was popular that year. So, I mean, it was I don't know if this trend is accurate, but it was considered like a leading like one of the first psychedelic rock albums. So it was, you know, a genre shifting kind of album. And I'm trying to see if I took notes on this, but um, I was reading about the album that it was actually like selected by congress to go into not like a time capsule, but like a anthology of different pieces of pop culture and art and music and to to describe the evolution of like human art sure. um, and that this album was selected as one of those you know again like first example like genre shifting kind of pieces of pieces of art it doesn't sound like a lot of other stuff either even other stuff from 67 like yeah. 67 has a lot of psychedelic albums you know surrealistic pillow came out that year and sergeant peppers comes out that year right yeah but they're still from a st- like bands that are already doing stuff and yeah. so it's more of a shift inside the band, I think, than in an overall sense. But Are You Experienced sounds just sonically is so yeah. different from a lot of other stuff going on. Oh, and Hen- totally. the way Hendrix composed songs yeah. is so different yeah. that, um, that I do wonder if maybe that was just it. Like it was a little too different. And then by the time Electric Ladyland comes out, yeah. like now you'd already, you've already had the Monterey Pop Festival performance that now maybe he was culturally was a much bigger deal yeah. at that point. And then they've had a couple years of these other albums out. Yeah. That could yeah, be part I, of it. You know, it's interesting. I was reading about the album and they were talking about uh, kind of characterizing him playing. And one of the things that they said is that he he would turn the sound up so loud in the studio while they were recording that like the other band members complained, the producers complained, people who just lived nearby complained because he was just, <laughs> that was like his thing. He just, he turned it up so loud. And then the other thing is they use, and I, don't, I have absolutely no idea how common this is, but um, they use like overdubbing. So in, if something didn't sound quite right, they would just record, they would like lay another guitar track over the original guitar track to kind of try and fix it. And that kind of added to some of the, how unique the sound was because you're, you've got like multiple guitar, tar tracks kind of sitting on top of each other to even out into what you know what what they were trying to achieve it's almost like later beatles albums where like you can't imagine those songs being played live because they'd be so complicated like how would you ever do that and i feel like a lot of are you experience sounds like that where it's almost this wall of sound type way of recording music because like if you watch like yeah, yeah, the yeah. Woodstock performance, it's very simple. I mean, again, at that point, it's not the experience. It's just it's just Hendrix and like some other people. But but he had, at that yeah. point he was like trying to expand the the, the group because the, the experience is just him, uh, a bass player and a, a drummer. Like that's the whole. They're a trio. That's, <laughs> that's it. Crazy. So but no, but like if you watch that performance, it's it's a it's a much simpler. It's a guitar heavy thing, but it's not. Yeah, that crazy sonic, you know, wave of music that yeah. the album tends to be. So I think it's interesting inside of that. And I can't think of a, a something else that really sounds like that. And part of it could also just be that Hendrix's, you know, instrumentality is so advanced and so yeah. complex that that, you know, it's hard. You know, the animals weren't just going to just pick up and, you know, <laughs> and mimic something like that. Yeah. So. Yeah. So did you pick the animals on purpose? No, because you, you know, the, the producer of the album is the basis for the animals. <laughs> is yeah. that right? Yeah. I just poked the animals out of the air. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, you must have read this. I was under the impression the animals were still a band in 67. No. Is that not true? No, 
Yeah, that that is not true. This guy, his name is Chaz Chandler. Oh. Uh, he was the bassist for the animals. And he when he left, I don't know if he left or they broke up, and he went to be a music producer. And his like claim to fame is that he managed Hendrix and the band Slade that I've oh. never heard of. No. But yeah. could Chaz Chandler have been any more happy with Jimi <laughs> Hendrix's experience? <laughs> Classic. Well done. That's well done. done. <laughs> it, was, it was great. No, I, I honestly just pulled that out of the air. Didn't even realize. Yeah. No, producer of the album, The Animals. Not nice. The animal. One guy from The Animals. So, yeah, I hadn't listened to this album before, like all the way through. I was surprised how many songs I recognized. And I also uh, thought it was pretty good. <laughs> And this has been Music Corner. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's hard to talk about, right? Like, Are you I was experienced? Never... Uh, I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I like a lot of 60s music, but I never really leaned in too hard on the real, like, psychedelic music. Like, yeah. until rec- recently, I've been more into it with immersing myself in the 67-ness of things. <laughs> but I did have, a, like, a copy of this CD, Once Upon a Time. That's about like as far as I went with Hendrix. Uh, but yeah, no, I think as an album, this really is a complete album. Like you, you mm-hmm. really, there's not a lot of skippable songs. There's some songs that sound kind of the same. They have, yeah. you know, a, one style, but, but even inside of that, like, you know, there, some, there'll be real up-tempo things and then yeah. more melodies. More. I think there were at least two songs with no vocals at all. I don't know how, how typical that was of the time, but like, yeah, or the me. vocals were very light. Like there'd be yeah. long stretches, like long interludes, almost like, um, like Clapton songs where he would just yeah. go on those extended kind of riffs, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I tried to like focus on the songs I didn't really know as we were listening to it. Yeah. At least not as much. And the one thing that kept coming back to me, which I, I mentioned at the time was when I recorded, when I copied this CD 20 years ago, uh, it, it glitched while it was doing it. And so, the, and I fell asleep, so I didn't even notice that this had happened. And it was only later that I realized that what I ended up with was actually like three complete songs and then a 40-minute version of The Wind Cries Mary. <laughs> and it just, because it just kept skipping. And I didn't even notice it at first because it skipped yeah. in just the right way, you know? And so uh, that, that, that was, like, that was not a good CD to have in the car. 20 minutes in, you're like, Jesus, this song is long. But like, you know what, it's got, but it's got that yeah, kind of totally. psychedelic riff that, I, you know, I wasn't real familiar with the album. I was, for a while, I was like, oh, this is just a kind of a long song. So, yeah. This I really like that really song. This really going on. Yeah. <laughs> um, Say Mary a lot. Yeah. And then I think as we were listening to it, the one thing that really stood out to me that I never thought of before is the Are You Experienced song itself is a great song. Oh, yeah. It's a great song. Because you would almost think with an album with this many hits, why would they name yeah. it after some random song? But that's a great song. Totally yeah. holds up. Oh, yeah. so good. Uh, so I've got a couple of other tidbits about songs in this album. Do you want to you want to? Sure. Hear? What do you right. got? Um, so Purple Haze, which is like probably the most popular song on the album, right? Probably. probably. I don't know by singles what what was, you know, what were the big hits? I would think Hey Joe was a pretty big hit. but Oh, Hey Joe was the first single that came out. Oh. I would imagine it was a pretty big hit. I don't know which was more popular than the other, but Purple Haze was a... Uh, was a single for them when they sent it to uh, to be remastered. They had to write on the tape deliberate distortion. Do not correct. Oh, because it was such an unusual way, like song that they were worried that the people that were working on it would change it, would yeah. correct it. Interesting. 
it hey joe came out as a single actually in december of 1966 the album wasn't even done yet the album didn't get released until august but they start maybe this was a thing they did back then i don't know but they started releasing they released hey joe and i can't remember what the b-side was and then i think uh now i can't remember what the second single was it might have been purple haze but i don't think that's right i think it was a different song yeah like they started releasing these singles and the the album didn't come out until late in 67 at least in the u.s and wasn't even done when the single started being released huh yeah i mean I, maybe you know it's just to drum up a way to make an album yeah. they they were putting out hits you know it seems like every once in a while you would see things like that now but not as much you know no. where somebody just has a song and they're like well we got to put out an album what were we just looking up the other day there was some band that we found that like their top song is one song and then after that they have kind of nothing and it's just remixes of that song oh. what band what was that oh, it was white town was it white town i think it was <laughs> the most racist band name in history <laughs> Um, I could never be your woman. That's right. Yeah. 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 And so like our theory is that they just recorded that song and then like the, some studios like, hey, you got to get an album together. And the other songs on that album are nonsense, right? Oh, like yeah, background in- music to like a romantic comedy and just a bunch of bunch of horse yeah, shit. They have like three or four different songs that are like, you know, music about this type of movie, music about that type of movie, music yeah. about this type of TV show. I think there's a song that's something about. Uh, like electric orgasms or something good and then they, they like the songs are just they're they sound insane yeah. i could never be your woman is such a weird song like in terms of how it sounds but even the lyrics don't make any sense no um, but it was a bit i love that song it was a big hit but like no nothing else from white town yeah so i wonder yeah. if that's the white town experience right like you've got a <laughs> song you're like here play my song listen to my song and like some students like this is awesome now do you yeah. have an album you know and they're like yes we do yeah i do feel like when we were in our heyday of buying music before streaming was a thing, like I feel like the release of a single prior to an album, maybe one, I feel like that was a thing. I don't, I don't know how much that happens anymore, but I feel like, you know, bands would release the lead single off of an album and then the album. Yeah. Maybe as a way to get radio plays or to draw up interest or whatever. Yeah. But because of streaming, like I don't, I don't think that happens anymore. Yeah. I don't know. I always thought that it was kind of like, to prop up tours or if you're an opening band on a tour or something like we got this song out, you know, and then come up with the rest of it later or something. But yeah, I don't know. I don't really, uh, I don't really get that. I mean, Hendrix, it seems like was not exactly a session musician, but he was around for a long time and played with a bunch of people. Yeah. Um, He toured on the Chitlin circuit for a couple of years, I think after he was in the army. So like he was around and then it was kind of like, I think him and the producers were like, let's put a band together. And he yeah. found these these two British guys. Yeah. So, you know, I would assume in this time he's writing music. And then this is how they already have songs to do, sort of. And one of, I think, what is it? Like, Foxy Lady isn't an original song, right? That's like an old song? Oh, I don't know. I don't know which ones weren't original. But as they, as I was reading about the recording of the album, they would often, like, try and record songs that already existed, like covers. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I don't know how many of them made it made it onto the album yeah i can't remember i remember like running across that and what or hey joe one of the songs is was not an original song that was like a big hit for them and i think it was something that he had already been working on for a while or something and and turning into a hendrix song yeah i I looked up because i was curious who the other guys in the Jimi hendrix experience were because i don't I, I, again, I'm not that familiar with the band. I just know that it was him and these two like random British white guys. Yeah. And I was kind of just like, were these just, you know, were these anybody, you know, like, like Nirvana always gets credit as just being a Kurt Cobain band. But then, you know, like, you know, Dave Grohl was in the band and Chris Novoselic, like they were, they were people who, you know, 
who I don't think were good just forgotten. Yeah. But I don't know how many people on the street would be able to tell you who else was in the experience. So their drummer was a guy named Mitch Mitchell who went and played with other people and did this and that. But in like the, a later evaluation, I want to say like one of those big, crazy Rolling Stones lists, like listed him as like the eighth best drummer ever. Wow. And I was really? like, wow. Like for, again, the experience only has a couple albums. I, yeah. you know, I mean, and they're not exactly drum heavy albums, but like no. if you listen to it, like it really is the guitars and the drums. Like that's that, you know, yeah. that, this is all they had, but like they really stand out. Yeah. Um, it's just not something that would have occurred to me. And the other guy was the bass player who had been like a lead guitarist before this. And then when he joined the band, he, he you know, he was backing up Jimmy. Yeah. Uh, and that guy's name was Noel Redding. And oh, yeah. And then he he's the one who quit the band and then, you know, created the, the, the rift basically in the experience. If Jimmy hadn't died, it does seem like they were going to get back together. Like they'd only broken up in 69. And so I, I want to say I want to say Mitchell plays at Woodstock with Hendrix. So oh. it's not like the like they all went their own ways. I think it was just Noel yeah. Redding was kind of tired of Hendrix's business. <laughs> like yeah. Hendrix was starting to do drugs and, you know, this and that. He wasn't yeah. a complete mess, it doesn't sound like, but I think it was just the the recording and the touring was just kind of it was becoming unreasonable or something yeah. for him, so that's why he left. And he did have a side project at the time that sometimes opened for the experience and it was called Fat Mattress. <laughs> <laughs> and oh my so there, god that's a great band name yeah so there would be concerts where he's playing in fat mattress to open for the experience so he's playing oh all night god. long and i think he just got burned out like he was you know but he was only in fat mattress for like a year like they put out, he, he puts out one album with that band so but then he also like neither of them had any great success after this point yeah uh, noel redding kept suing the hendrix estate because he was getting cut out of all the royalties because he sold oh. the rights Oh, like at some point early on, and this was before like CDs. So all of those reprint rights he wasn't getting. Um, and then he died in the early 2000s. And then Mitchell oh. died in the 2000s, too. So none oh, of them wow. lived to an old age. But wow. When did Jimmy die? He died in 70. So he oh, was wow. he was 27. Yeah. Um, he's part of that 27 group. Mm -hmm. But that's what mm -hmm. I mean. Like he didn't have there's not that much. There's a bunch. And then like he was still recording stuff. So that's how they were able to put out a bunch of solo albums. Yeah. Uh, in the early 70s, like right after this, there was, I want to say there were three solo albums in pretty quick succession. The one that had like the most original music came out in 71 and it was called The Cry of Love because I think this was supposed to be the fourth album. Like, oh, got there it. was stuff that was actually prepared. Yeah. Then there's an album called Rainbow Bridge, which I think is a documentary about Hendrix. And so this okay. is technically like a soundtrack to that that has some previously unpublished stuff yeah and then 72 has uh, an album called war heroes i think there's other collections later that have more unproduced stuff but those are the main ones because they all come right in that that yep. quick period of time but yeah that's that's the experience they got into the hall of fame in 1992 even though you know three albums that is not much i mean nirvana's yeah. in the hall of fame with what two or three albums so it's yeah. kind of the same thing but yeah yeah. yeah. When you're when your lead person dies young, yeah. you know, and they're and they're so and your albums are so transformative, like it was true of both Nirvana and Jimi Hendrix, like 
both had again genre shifting albums like revolutionary albums and a leader i mean of course they're gonna put them in the hall of fame makes sense makes yeah. sense. what do you have for hendrix personally is there anything like i mean it seems he's the kind of thing that everybody knows about and his music is very distinctive it's very much like you hear that song you're like you know this is a hendrix song yeah but like you know it's funny because it's it's such a small group of music it's such a small yeah. amount of music that you know i don't know how it actually resonates with with people in in a in a just because there's not that much of it yeah i mean music from this era was never my vibe until i met you and then it's really like the stuff that you listen to i listen to mm. but i mean listeners like we met when i was 20 so i wasn't like listening to a lot of like 60s music while i was getting ready to go to the club but <laughs> i mean but I, I i i just didn't i never really you didn't listen to a lot of hendrix so i didn't listen to a lot of hendrix and yeah. so i don't really know that much about him or his music i just i just don't yeah. like i think uh, you know i was like i said i was surprised how many of the songs on the album were familiar to me in, in like with the, the maybe oh I've heard this song not like well this has been in commercials or it's just kind of pervasive in the in society but like oh I've actually heard this song somewhere I don't know where but I've heard it yeah in movies or I don't know and, and so I was surprised how much of that there was with this album but I I mean other than like I know he was at Woodstock and did the national anthem and he died young like I don't I I never really like listened to his music or anything before yeah. literally now you're welcome <laughs> listeners. Like, I think the first real thing I remember where I would, like, recognize Hendrix is Wayne's World, which is weird because, again, Wayne's World is very much Bohemian Rhapsody and, you know, this is how yeah. everybody got into Queen. Blitz. Yeah. But there's a whole sequence to with Foxy Lady. Why don't you just go talk to her? Talk to her. Talk to her. Yeah. And so I think yeah. that's always been in my head as like that was the first Hendrix thing yeah. I had any familiarity with. Because I was like, yeah. what, 12 or 13 when that movie came out? Yeah. And it was such a big deal, you know? So that that always that song always reminds me of Queen's World, and I think it's yeah. because of that. That's but, so funny. Given like how how like strong the connection between other songs in, in Wayne's World, like Louie and Rhapsody, but Ballroom Blitz is well, Ballroom like, Blitz, the whole yeah. end of that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We heard that on the radio today, and, all, and it reminded me of Wayne's World. Uh, of the course, great the only movie other- musical of our time. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, it's Wayne's World of our time from 30 years ago. <laughs> Someone has to tell uh, my friend Kate about it, who, uh, <laughs> when we were talking about this, she's getting married soon, and she said that her fiancé was picking songs for the wedding, and she he picked, Bo- I don't know, Ballroom Blitz, I think. Um, and she's like, I guess it's from a movie. I don't know if you guys have heard about it. It's called Wayne's World. And we were like, oh, my God, do you not know <laughs> Wayne's World? That's insane. Yeah, um, the kids. The, the children. But the other, of course, thing that I know about Hendrix and mostly Purple Haze related is it has one of the best uh, misheard lyrics of all time. Right. So they're famously were like a guy used to put out books of these misheard lyrics. Um, I don't, oh, with little cartoons. Yeah. And his name sort of his name. Gavin Edwards was the guy's name. And well when done. I was like in in the 90s, when I was in high school, I used to get all of these books and the great misheard song lyric from Purple Haze uh, is Excuse me, well, I kissed this guy. <laughs> which was the name of the first book. So, yeah. Yeah. which followed, which followed by he's got the whole world in his pants <laughs> and decked the halls with Buddy Holly. That was, and I just loved these books. They were the was best. That, was that last one all Christmas songs? Or yeah, was it was just... all Christmas songs. Yeah. <laughs> There's a fourth one too. I can't remember what it's called, but yeah, they were just wonderful. So, oh, so good. Yeah. I want to read those again. Oh, so much fun. Uh, I'm trying to think of any other Hendrix stuff. I thought I had something. We saw Hendrix's grave when we oh, were we in did. Seattle, which was a pretty was, neat looking grave. It was raining. It was raining. 
So uh, the pictures are us with uh, with uh, umbrellas because we yeah. go to graves a lot. So we've actually run into this a couple times. Um, yeah. Was it Grover Cleveland's grave? <laughs> yeah, there was a weird outline of a bra on his tombstone. It was like, you know how like water will, there it was like a water, it wasn't a stain, but like part of it was wet and the dry part where the water hadn't hit looked like a bra. Yeah. And and we posted on Facebook and and a couple people were like, is that a bra? And Joe, <laughs> it very of course, much looks like a bra. Comment, you can't get elected president without a lot of support. Maybe my favorite comment on a picture of all time. It just sticks in my head is like, it was raining while we were there. Yeah. yeah. We saw Aaron Burr's grave and it's like, we're grumpy, holding umbrellas. Holding umbrellas. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, Hendrix as well. Because we were in Seattle. So I think the odds were it was going to be raining while we were there. And it was. So that's uh, the only other thing I could think of, which I realized I didn't mention. Well, I didn't, we didn't talk about this this much, but there's a woman. uh, Have you ever heard of a woman named Cynthia Plastercaster? Are you familiar with her? (laughs) No, but I like her name. She's famous for taking plaster casts of famous men's penises. That was her claim to fame in the early 70s. She just died not that long ago, but this was her claim to fame in the early 70s-ish. Yeah. You can find a list of the people that she had these plaster casts of these penises. And famously, she has a plaster, she had a plaster cast of Jimi Hendrix's penis. I don't know why this this always sticks in my head, but like, I think this is like the prized possession of hers. Was what? This, yeah, this was like a thing she would do. And I think it was just like such a weird novelty that like guys would go along with it. Be like, yeah, all right, you can do that, you know. And uh, yeah, that's that was I, I can't name off the top of my head one other real famous person. I know she, there were other famous people on this list. Yeah, but it just seems like Hendrix is such a big deal. It's, like, it's like having a cast of John Kennedy's penis. It seems crazy. <laughs> and this, of course, brings us back to our favorite feature on the show. Dong watch. <laughs> I didn't expect us to go on a dong watch on the Hendrix episode, but here yeah. we are. I forgot about it until like, as we were talking about it, I was like, oh, I got to bring up Cynthia Plastercaster. <laughs> okay. And just to say it, that's not a real last name, right? Do you think there's a chance that that was her <laughs> name? <laughs> this is why she started. My name is Plastercaster. You know what I could do? Make Plastercaster. Like her name's not like Cynthia Paper Mache. She's just <laughs> wrapping them up. It would take a lot longer. Yeah. 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 It's true. Harder. <laughs> yeah. So there's that. I, I, you know, I don't have a lot here. That's it. And he died stuff. in London, I believe. <laughs> Very informative. <laughs> I mean, he was buried in Seattle, but I'm pretty sure he died in London. So. All right. Uh, uh, drug overdose. That was. That's it. That's, yeah. All right. That's the Jimi Hendrix experience. How uh, do you think this went? <laughs> I actually think it was pretty good. It was we talked about it, all right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, music is tough. Like I don't, you know, I think it's yeah. hard. You know, because we were saying going into this, like, should we talk about all the songs? And like, what are we going to say? Like, well, this one's pretty good. Oh, this one kind of sounds like this one. Like, how interesting is that? Yeah. But you know, I think that the album has an interesting place in history, and yep. you know, if we can kind of talk about that, it it gives us kind of a, yeah. a you know a basis for having an episode, which in '67 is going to be necessary. There's a lot of important music happened then. Yeah, and I would say, listeners, if you haven't listened to the album do it yeah it's good it's go good check album. it out that, um all it's three good music yeah yeah they're all they're good music let us know what you think let us know how angry it makes you that he spells foxy in foxy lady with an ey why why would you do that that doesn't make any sense what is the F-O-X-E-Y. point o-x-e-y mm. i did uh i also read that i want to say one of the guys who's in the band with them it might have been noel redding was the guy who convinced him to change his the spelling of his name to j-i-m-i Oh, that he was he was going by Jimmy, you know, in the regular spelling up until then. Oh, nice to be more exotic. It is. It it, it is more exotic. Now, how can we change the spelling of your name to make it more exotic? Like like six A's. <laughs> uh, S-A-R-U-H. Sarah. 
I mean, that kind of works. <laughs> I think my name, you should have like a silent H in it, like J-H-O-E. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's J- it's it's J-P-O-E-S. That's what it should be. <laughs> so you're bringing up all these weird deep catalog jokes, <laughs> like the like the, the Grover Cleveland bra joke. And like, you know, I don't even remember how J-P-O-E-S works. Oh, it was the Oscar Mayer song. Yeah. My boyfriend has a first name. It's J-P-O-E-S. And that was just something we randomly said once. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome, listeners. Yeah, I'm sure everybody loved it. <laughs> For the longest time when we would go play Big Buck Hunter, I think that was my name, was J-P-O-E-S. Yeah. yeah. And yours was? Ruckus. I think it was Ruckus. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Here's an insight into the inner workings of the relationship circa Big Buck Hunter <laughs> six years ago. We played a lot of Big Buck Hunter for a while, and then the, the arcade closed because the pandemic. It was the worst. The pandemic closed that arcade. Oh, yeah. There was so like a really, if, I mean, if you're in Chicago, there was a pretty fun arcade that was in the River East, the movie theater building, which I think was just called FTW. Yeah. And uh, it, we just found out that it closed a couple months ago. We oh. haven't been over there that often. And then it's it's boarded up. It's over. We had so many credits for the gift shop. Oh, man. Now that's all gone lost. Waste. It's all gone. We'd have to go to like other cities and see. Are they still- <laughs> I think that was like a chain, oh, right? That. That's a good idea. Yeah, we got to bring our little cards and go yep. hunt down FTWs in other, in other cities. We're coming yeah. for you, Dallas. <laughs> just going to fly in, get a bunch of pop vinyls and leave. You know? <laughs> so, that's the situation. Oh. All right, how are we going out? You want to sing? What do you want to? You want to sing, right? No, you got to sing. What are you? I sing? always, you always make me sing because so, you're the best at it. I'm a terrible. You tell me all the time I'm a terrible singer. No, on the show you're an you're an A plus. So I was literally singing today, and he was like, "Shut up!" That didn't happen. <laughs> kind of happened. I mean, you were singing, and I was kind of like, "Ugh." <laughs> but I think it's more what you sing. Now, if you want to just belt out "Purple Haze," go ahead. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's you. It's you. It's you. I'm nah. not. No, I'm not taking. I'm not carrying this torch. It is your job. No, it's fine. Excuse me. While I kiss this guy. Uh, you're welcome, listeners. Mm, it's not great. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Bye. This has been. It happened one year. Please enjoy your social media and maybe take a look at us. We're there too. Give us a rating. Say hi. Thanks. After all the jets are in the boxes And the clowns have all gone to bed